welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Hey, hey, welcome back. As always, thanks for listening. So, we just got through with a series uh, in soteriology which is a very fancy theological word, which means the teaching of salvation, or doctrine. I try not to use the word doctrine, because people get really crazy. And the minute they hear the word doctrine, that sounds like something they strap you to a chair and and, uh, force feed you. So, um, the issue is, it's teaching, okay? It's teaching. Now, it's the teaching of salvation, how you how you get your situation right with God. Now, let me go back to a verse that we had mentioned before, and that's Romans uh, ten nine and ten ten. And this is Paul talking to the Romans, and he says, "Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved." For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So, this is sounding like a very public situation, or at least you've got other people involved. Alright? So, uh, let's just say that there's no ninja Christians. Uh, It should be a situation where people know that you're a believer in Jesus. Because if Jesus owns you, and that's really what it is, is you have forever given yourself to him. And he forever has given himself to you. And locked and sealed you uh, to the living God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And is going to bless you with the blessings of Israel then you really, really, really need to, you know, act like it. Does that happen? Yeah, not always. I mean, I'm going to be the first one to tell you. Uh, one of the craziest things, and this is kind of a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing, but uh, uh, for some reason, uh, with Southern Baptist preachers, the joke used to be, you can tell he believes in God by the way he drives. Uh, and uh, man, I mean, uh, it, for, for some reason it was just, you know, it was kind of a, a standing joke. I say that, but you know, I don't know. Um, the, uh, it's kind of kind of wild when uh, your Southern Baptist pastor's favorite song is, I'll fly away. If I can find my keys, hallelujah, if I please, I'll fly away. Yep, so anyhow. Everybody's got their little thing. Now, here's the deal. Paul's pretty straightforward. There are many traditions that are going to basically uh, put a lot of stipulations on some stuff. Uh, for one thing, you have, uh, you have a group that says security believer. 
security of the believer, which basically is you make this confession, like Paul said, you're locked, sealed, loaded. It doesn't matter at that point if you're a blooming mass murderer. You can just do whatever you want to do, and God's got you locked and loaded, and man, you got your ticket punch when you get into heaven. And now, on the other side of that, um, there are groups, there are traditions that teach, oh, you can lose your salvation. You lose it, gain it, lose it, gain it, lose it, gain it, lose it, gain it, lose it, gain it. Um, and that sounds like a little crazy, too, because then you get spiritual schizophrenia. Or actually, I shouldn't say that. You get spiritual paranoia. Because you're, you're wondering, am I saved? Am I saved? If I died right now, am I saved? Am I going to heaven? I don't know. And so, you know, you find out, you find yourself getting to the point where you get saved like a hundred times a day because you're like, oh, you're spiritual paranoia. Either one of those, I don't think is a balanced viewpoint from this perspective. The thing I'm going to tell you is based from the Spirit of God. Okay, this, and I'm thinking of God's perspective. I'm trying to, okay, and from a biblical kind of thought process, and it works this way. Um, number one, if you are saved, if salvation is part of you, you give yourself to Jesus. He gives you, you, you know, Himself to you, and you have confessed with your mouth, you believe in your heart, and you know. In that situation, and then number one, you're supposed to be a new creation. All right. Now, what does that mean? All of a sudden, boom! I look like Brad Pitt. Awesome. No, no, no. Uh, on the inside, new creation on the inside. This body is tied to this earth. This earth is unfortunately tied to a lot of unhealthy uh, sin issues that Adam opened up for us and uh, so this body's gonna go but you're gonna get a new body but the insides go wiggy clean now here's the thing uh, we don't immediately become perfect in everything do we still sin after you're saved yes it happens yes are you supposed to do it on purpose no but sin happens. You confess it, and it's gone, and you're squeaky clean again. The problem, if you're not saved, is that you're still got the cancer of sin living in you, killing you. So there's no way that forgiveness can do that. So what happens is, is uh, when a person accepts Jesus, they are regenerated on the inside. So basically. It's, uh, everything's just wiped, brand spanking new and remade on the inside. So the cancer's gone because literally everything else is totally new. And by the cancer, I say the cancer of sin, that is. Okay? Now, um, I mentioned last time baptism. So, uh, let me let me say this. The first thing is that you're a new creation. The second thing is, you're not going to necessarily, in fact, you shouldn't feel like, you need to hide this. If you have a relationship with the living God, and He has changed your life, 
you are going to want to feel like, I mean, want to feel an imperative in yourself to share that with somebody. Now, that expresses itself in different ways. Now, first, the first expression of that is this. When you confess with your mouth. So you're going to confess. Well, in order to confess, you know, somebody else has got to be in that. Can you confess to God? Yes, you can confess to God. But, you, but you're going to be excited enough to confess to somebody else. Because, uh, literally, um, it's a situation where you want other people to know. I am new, and you can have this too. If you don't feel that, or if you have never felt that, that may be an issue. You may want to look at that really hard. Um, a lot of times, people end up going through motions when they're young. Um, sometimes, uh, there's like the, the church camp salvation experience. Now, I'm not saying people can't get saved at church camp. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that there are people that have this experience where their friends are going down, their friends feel like, you know, and, and so forth, and then the issue at that point is is they decide, oh, hey, I'm just going to go down to it and join them. So it's kind of a group thing, all right? Um, sometimes they just get this weird feeling in the seat of their pants. They just got to go up front, and they don't know why. But the issue is, is salvation should be a situation where you know that you know God's calling you to salvation for a purpose from something. Again, you don't know if you're saved unless you know what you're saved from. You have to know what you're saved from and then what you're saved to. Otherwise, you know, what is it? Uh, just like I've said before, that bumper sticker, which is it was kind of interesting. It said Jesus, you know, uh, the uh, it's basically the the statement on it says Jesus saves. Underneath it says, "What was the question?" <laughs> um. So the issue is. You're going to want someone to know. That's a part of what baptism is for. Baptism is so that you can make a statement, but also it's an obedience issue. Jesus was baptized. He was baptized because he said, I'm doing this to fulfill righteousness, and that means to fulfill the law, or... God's instruction, to fulfill God's instruction. Okay? So, if that's the case, we need to follow Jesus. And that's where baptism comes in. Now, there's several things going on in baptism. There are people that believe if you're not baptized, that you're not saved. I don't happen to be in that camp. There are some very strong arguments on both sides. But here's the issue. Paul said... In this instance, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
I don't see anything about any water or baptism. Now, are you supposed to do that? Absolutely you are. Uh, when Philip uh, the Evangelist in the book of Acts was talking to the Ethiopian eunuch and and uh, he was sharing with him through the, you know, the, the prophecies in Isaiah and then shared Jesus with this guy. Uh, you know, they were talking about bad baptism, and the, and the, the eunuch said, well, look, you know, here's a bunch of water. What keeps me from getting baptized? That should be everyone's attitude. And if you notice, now, he was an official. Did he have a bunch of people with him? Probably, yeah, he did. The main thing is, is that he was following Jesus' example. And in that situation, uh, it was an open demonstration of his obedience to God. Alright, so let's, I'm going to go ahead and put the pen in it for right there for the moment. Now, what about being excited about sharing Jesus with other people? We're supposed to do that. Now, I've mentioned before that uh, the Great Commission at the end of Mark says, Go into the world and make disciples out of all nations. All right. The imperative is not the word go. The imperative is make disciples. That's in the imperative mood. So that's the command. The command is make disciples. How do you make disciples? Well, you train them. You teach them. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Now, do you have to get them... You have, somebody has to be saved first before they can be disciples? Yes. Absolutely, they do. So, should we be sharing Jesus with other people? Absolutely. Now, here's the issue. A lot of people ain't doing it. It ain't happening. Uh, go into Barna. Go into any other studies. You know, Lifeway. You can go and, and pull studies from it, the sharing of Jesus from people who go to church doesn't happen often. Sad but true. More often than not, what here here's what happens. Uh, number one, people get the idea, and I'll be honest, as a preacher, I'm telling you, it happens. The preachers tell people, bring somebody to church. Bring somebody, just bring them to church so they can hear Jesus. Well, that's a great thing, okay? I'm not knocking it. But here's the issue. Um, a, a while back, I think in the early, well, late 70s, early 80s, there was a guy that wrote a book. His name was Ralph Neighbors, Sr., wrote a book entitled The Seven Last Words of a Church, and the subtitle is We Ain't Never Done It That Way Before. In that book, he outlines how a little bit silly it is to ask people who have absolutely no spiritual inclination to try to go to church, you know, to, to come to church. If you're going to try to get someone who has no interest in church or in being with 
church people in the door of a church, you're probably not going to have a, a whole lot of takers. Um, even, now, along the way, um, in the late 90s, early 2000s, everybody got into the seeker-friendly phase. Seeker-friendly, you know, we said, well, you know, I don't know if we're going to get these people in church or not. Let's see what we can do. So we're going to put coffee bars in the churches, okay? And so we put, you know, coffee and, you know, coffee bars and, and, and these pseudo-Starbucks in, in the churches, and we made little areas for people to come sit and whatnot. I'll be honest with you, I don't even know how much how successful that was. Maybe it was. But we still don't have a whole lot of people doing a lot of what we like to call evangelizing. I think part of the complication is is that we've got this old school mentality that you got to grab somebody by the collar and you got to say, Did you know you're going to hell? You're going to hell. What would you do if you died right now? You walked outside and something just run you done over. What would you do? And people get that thought process in their head. Now, is that true? Yes. You get one shot at this life, and when it's gone, it's gone. And if you don't know Jesus and you leave here, it's done. And it's bad. And it's bad forever. So is it important to get people to to get people into the kingdom of God because number one God loves them and cares number two we should be loving them and caring and by love I'm not talking about oh warm squishy let me hug your neck kind of stuff even though that's very cool and very neat but it's the kind of love that says there was Jesus' love because he came down and died and suffered to pay for our way to get us back in a relationship with his father. Why? Not because he thought it was going to feel awesome. Not because it was going to be easy. He did it because he loved us. And that love is agapeo. Agapeo means dedicated love. It's the kind of love you do when you don't want to do it. Or you feel like doing something else and you do it anyway. So, hey. Um, the thing is, now, Jesus wanted to save all of us, and the Father sent him because the Father wanted to save all of us, but it was going to be horrific. Jesus knew it, and he was not looking forward to that. If he was, he would probably be not the Savior, because that would have been a little psychotic. So here's the thing. The issue is the sharing process. Um, a lot of people, when they think about evangelism, they think about door-to-door. -door. They think about grabbing people on, you know, they think about street preaching. They think about grabbing people on the sidewalk. All of those are valid methods. However, things, they are a-changing. Now, um, it's almost a comedy sketch if you say, Jesus saves, or do you know Jesus, or do you want to know Jesus? 
I've heard comedy sketches. People say, no, I don't want to know Jesus. Bye. That kind of stuff. So, are we going to need to change our approach? Yes. Do we need to change the gospel? No. The fact is, is no matter how you shake it down, people still have problems. Their lives are still coming apart. And whether you know it or not, they're dealing with secret pain every day. And the Lord can and will help. Because what does He do? He gives you a new life. He gives you a new life on the inside. And if you share that with Him, you can literally change somebody's life for the better. Now, um, in fact, you can change your life forever. And other people's lives. Um, just think about the one person that shared uh, Jesus with uh, Billy Graham. How'd you like to be that person? How many people did he bring to Jesus? Untold numbers. So here. But the fact is, we're just not doing it. We're not sharing Jesus. Because, again, back to the thought process. Number one, we, for some reason, keep being told to bring them into church. And they're just not going to do it. Uh, the second thing is, is... Uh, people need to see what it is that's special. Well, when church members with their big sweet logos all over their cars are cutting people off in traffic and shooting them the finger or not, or just cutting people off in traffic and acting like Karens when they're in the coffee shop and their latte is not right. Um, when all of these things happen, people look at that and they say, you know, if that is what the Spirit of God is, I don't think I want it. So, our lives, the lives of the people, the believers of Jesus have to show it. And by the way, if there is not a change in the life, then that person may want to go back and look at that salvation on another situation really hard. Because I guarantee you this, it's a lot better to, to go back and look and say, you know, I'm not sure, I don't think it was real, and then do it for real, than to hold up something that you know is, is something just a facsimile that ain't real, just so you can hold up pretenses for real I mean because then when you die for real and you go the, to, the, to the other side Jesus may be waiting for you but he may not be in the situation you're looking at that you really think instead of waiting for you with a warm hug he'll be waiting sitting on a throne with his finger pointing at you and that's not going to be too fun. So the issue is, number one, for some reason uh, we think people just ought to come into church. No, no, we need to bring the gospel to other people. And there's a million ways to do that. There's a million ways to do that. The other thing is, and here's another issue, and this is another hindrance 
to evangelism, people sharing Jesus, okay, is this. We believe, or the church sometimes, not all churches, believe that it's, that's what you hired the minister for. Well, dang, i got a whole staff of ministers. Why, why, why aren't we getting more people saved? My cracky, we got a minister of evangelism. He ought to be going out there and just raking them in. Man, we pay that man $90,000 a year. I don't understand what's the matter with him. Well, here's the thing, though. Their job is supposed to be to train the people. Not to do the stuff. Now, are they supposed to do the stuff? Yes, they are supposed to do the stuff. They're supposed to, so, Minister Evangelism, in fact, all the church staff is supposed to be evangelism. Yes, indeedy. But, they're supposed to be training the people. Now, again, uh, when you share Jesus with someone, it doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be button hold, button holding, you know, button punching where you get your finger at somebody. Doesn't have to have to be a weird situation. Um, a lot of times in a drive-through window, and they they make these cards, little in their business card size. They've got John three sixteen and I think two or three other verses referenced on the one side and a prayer on the back. You can hand that to the person in the window and say, this changed my life. Would you please share this with someone? And hand them the card. And now here's the thing. And this is, this is another deal. Our job, the job of the church, is not to save people. Okay, now, uh, let me see this very clearly. Our job is not to save people. People say, I'm saving souls. Well, they're saving souls. No, you're not. God saves souls. The Holy Spirit saves souls. God saves souls. Our job is to put the message out there. Now, if the message don't work, if the person rejects it, that's not our job problem. Our problem is how we present it. If you present it in love, which is what we're supposed to do every time, that's one thing. But if you're doing it in, if you're using the truth like a battering ram or a bat in the head, you know, um, handing someone a card that says God loves you and says, here, read this so you won't go to hell. Um, that's not going to work very well. Your approach has got to be a situation where you're sharing out of love, out of care, out of concern. Not, well, i got to do this, so I'm going to go ahead and do this. Here, take this so you, so you won't go to hell. Here, take this so you won't go to hell. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and, and again, that's true. But using the... Um, uh, using the truth like a shotgun doesn't normally attract many people. For one, it's that does not sound like you're doing it. 
out of a genuine loving heart. Um, William Booth, who started the Salvation Army, cried for other people. He had a vision, and I'm not going to go into it, but of people drowning, and and he got a a passion in his heart to share the gospel, the good news, the good news, good news that Jesus came to take our sin, and so we'll live to forever to be with him and in the Father, and our lives can start being fantastic now. Heaven can start now. Now, you know, there's that. The other thing I'm going to say is a lot of times we try to scare people into hell. I mean, excuse me, into heaven. Huh? Sorry. We try to scare people into heaven. Now, does it work? Yeah. It works. If you can get someone to visualize what hell could be like, and they buy it, and they accept Jesus. They're doing it out of fear. Now, you can get saved by just being scared to death. That, that much is true. And then all of a sudden you see the beauty that God has given. The gift is a wondrous gift. All right. But yeah, you can do it being scared out of your blooming wits. Um, a lot of bikers, a lot of gang members, a lot of people have been saved from that in that situation. Basically, uh, you know, I believe I heard uh, one situation where this biker, uh, he had a friend with him and somehow his friend, they were having a fight in a bar or something like that and this guy caught on fire and was screaming and later uh, he equated that with uh, what hell would be like and it scared him so bad that, that yes he changed his life and he accepted Jesus and gave himself to, to Jesus so the issue is you can be scared into the kingdom that's true but fear doesn't generate a loving disciple not not unless it's followed by the release of that fear. And by I don't mean lack of respect. I mean know that God loves you and now you're part of a family. So, uh, unfortunately, in the past, we've been really, especially evangelicals, are really good at scaring people into the kingdom of God. If you died today, in a car wreck and you were screaming and, and you got gas on you and it set on fire and you were sizzling what would you think you know well how horrific and yeah you can work it but the thing is again um scaring people doesn't always generate a loving disciple on the other end of that because also people can go, Woo, great, I got my ticket punched. You know, now now I can just uh, now I'm I'm okay and I can live the way I want. Well, that's not the kind of attitude the Holy Spirit puts in people. 
I'll be very honest with you. It's not, not, doesn't sound like the attitude God puts in people. If you think after you get saved that you can do, still do what you want to do without any ramifications or problems, that's delusional. That's not biblical at all. I don't know where that is. But that is definitely not in the Bible. That's not the Bible's thought process on being part of the family of God. That ain't, that ain't Old Testament or New Testament. I'll tell you right straight up. So here's the thing. We need to share. We don't have to make it weird. The one thing I love about the Great Commission is the phrase, Go unto the world and make disciples. Okay? At the end of Mark. The phrase go is actually as you are going. As you are going. As you are going. As you're living your life. When the Spirit tells you to share Jesus, do it. If you have a shot at sharing Jesus quick with someone or slow with someone, as much time as you can, do that. But do it, try to do it at least once a day. Once a week. Because God wants us to do that. Why is He holding off judgment in this planet? Why is He holding that off? So that as many people as possible can come to know Him. That's what. That's why God... If you're waiting on why God hadn't just obliterated the planet yet, then that's the primary focus. Is He is a God of mercy. And He definitely wants as many people who will come to Him to come to Him. And we need to be sharing. And a preacher friend. Have a preacher friend in Kentucky who said, and he's uh, he's pastor of a small church, and he says, I can't get those people to share Jesus. I cannot get those people to share Jesus. I don't know what else. Man, they'll come up and they'll talk about all kinds of stuff at the pulpit, man. And they'll give testimony after testimony, but nobody ever says anything about sharing Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And by the way, one super way of sharing Jesus with somebody is just asking them, Hey, you mind if I pray for you? And you don't have to make a 20-minute prayer. You can say, God, I thank you for this person. I pray that you'd be in their lives and you'd, you would, you'd heal them. You'd help them to be happy. Help them to, to know you more. And help them have success. In Jesus' net and blessed name, I ask. And amen. And you can do that. And then you can ask them, do you know Jesus? And if they say yes, then you go, okay, awesome. Well, praise God. And then be about your business. You don't have to make it weird. It does not have to be weird. And I'm going to tell you straight up, if I can get on a, a Southwestern flight plane with the U.S. rugby team, and I can pray with them on the back of... Of a, of a 747, I think. Um, and I can pray with that team. Being sick as a dog, basically my allergies were killing me. And 
just do that, you can do it. Because I'm nobody special. The only thing that makes me special is the fact that Jesus loves me. And that makes me special. That makes me feel special. But you know something? He loves you too. He loves everybody. So how many people, how many special people are there? Bunches. So anyway, with that in mind, I want to encourage you to keep on keeping on. Thank you for listening to this edition of Speak It On. And as always, don't be afraid to speak the word in boldness and truth. And may God bless all of your own.